All right. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Happy Hello. Sunday. We have a guest here today. Her name is Liz. Um, and I had a good new year. Did everyone else have a good new year? I slept. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything like super crazy. Like, you know, we stayed in and our neighbors kept us up to like two in the morning. So that was fun because they were doing like firecrackers and stuff. So that was interesting to say the least like we thought that was like not allowed where we live and apparently it's not but there was like so many people doing it that like the police were like eh. <laughs> it's fine yeah, yeah I- we uh, we <laughs> stayed in no it's okay we uh had a crazy christmas because we went to disney so this weekend i was like i just want to relax and not do anything so i was in bed but i did get woken up by the fireworks too so <laughs> Yeah, I had a crazy Christmas and I, I I wasn't supposed to go out for New Year's, but then our friends were like, hey, we're having a party. Well, it wasn't really my friends. It was Tony, Tony's friends were like, hey, we're having a thing. And I was like, yeah, we should just go. Like, because honestly, like most of the time I'm like, no, I don't want to go to that time of stuff. Like, but we ended up going and we actually had a really good time. Um, and so it was cool. Um, I got a New Year's kiss from Tony. Um, so that was cool. And then we ended up get being home by like 1230 and I was asleep. I was like, that's late night. Everyone else was out until like probably like two, 3 a.m. But I was like, no. <laughs> um, but I am excited for 2022. I'm going to be like focused like a lot on coaching and a lot on expanding that um, as far as my own goals for this year. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, like my physique goals. But this year is like mostly about refining myself as a coach. So I would say the same. Yeah. All right. So um, Liz, like we are happy to have you on. Um, We want to know about you. So like where, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Education, passions, how long have you been coaching? All those things. Um, So we want to hear about you and the floor is yours. Thank you. So thank you for having me. Um, My name is Liz McElhaney. I'm the head coach of MT2 Lifestyle. I'm sure you guys have talked about that on here before. So, uh, I grew up in Massachusetts and then when I was 18, I moved to Arizona to go to school. Um, I hate the cold. So I was like, get me out of this cold weather. (laughs) So I went to ASU. I went there for my undergrad in dietetics. And then I went on to get my master's in obesity prevention and management there. Um, from there I tested to get my DTR, which is dietetic tech registered. So it's kind of like the step below a dietitian. Um, I didn't really want to go the dietitian route. So I just took the exam to be a DTR and then I continued coaching. Um, I've been coaching since 2013. So I started my own coaching business while I was in my undergrad program. Um, it started out as in-home training. So I was just working out, you know, doing my thing. And one of my friend's moms was like, I really want to work out with you. And I'm like, okay, come to the gym. And she's like, oh no, I'm not going to the gym. So she asked me to come to her house and I started training her there. Um, And then her friends started doing it with her. And then it kind of just grew from there. And I started doing in-home training, just kind of never planned it. It just kind of happened, but I loved it. I loved helping people. And it, it made me realize how many people are kind of like uncomfortable with gyms too, like in the beginning. Um, So that was a cool way to start out. And then I moved to Florida in 2018. So that's when I started doing online coaching. Um, So that is my part-time gig right now, hopefully full-time eventually. But my other job is I work for a logistics company. So I work from home doing both of those, but coaching is definitely my passion. Um, 
I love helping women. And of course, obesity prevention is like my specialty. Yeah. Like when you said, um, you didn't realize how many people are uncomfortable being in the gym. It's so true. Cause it's like, for me, it's really, it's actually really hard for me to empathize and, and relate to people that are not comfortable in the gym, because that's like where I'm the most comfortable. And I have been for a long time. So when people are like, I'm, or women, mostly women are like, I'm not comfortable going to the gym because of X, Y, and Z. It's like, I can understand because I'm a woman, but I can't at the same time because I'm past that. Like I'm so far beyond that, that like, if I were to go into the gym naked, I'd be like, huh. Like, you know, like, like, I'd be like, whatever, yo, like, it's my, this is my home. And so that's good that you have that within you. Cause, um, I don't have, it takes a lot for me to be like, okay, fine. Like we could, we can train from home. I get for seemingly for me, it's like for no reason, but I know that like, there's a, there's roadblocks there for others. And so it's important. I mean, that's the, that's why we're talking about lifestyle today, lifestyle versus competition, because these are two different, like mindsets and two different ways of coaching um, that I know we all have experience in, but you being head coach at MT2 Lifestyle, you have a different approach and like you've said things that I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Like, why didn't I think to go in steps with these clients? Like, why didn't I think of being more inclusive? Like, you know, but it's just, it's a simpler way of thinking, I think, instead of like making things very complicated or very rigid. Um, Sometimes it's okay to have gray areas. Um, and I found that to be true with lifestyle clients a lot. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's just like so overwhelming for them. Like, you know, for us competitors, it's easy to like, be like, okay, I got this whole plan and I'm excited and I'm going to like do it hundred percent. And then like for a lifestyle person who's never done any of those things, that's like super overwhelming. So even though I do start with the whole plan with them, sometimes their first check-in, it's just like, okay, well I got my steps in and that's a great start. You know, it doesn't have to be all in at first. Yeah, I find that sometimes um, even the first check-in, even filling out the check-in form for them is like, uh, it's a it's a large task um, yeah. because it's not that they can't fill out cells in an Excel sheet. It's that the information is not necessarily something they yet understand. So it's hard to put in information when you're like, why am I doing that? Um, what do I need that for? And um, is it that important? You know, so there's, there's sometimes gaps there, um, even with giving information, because it's something that's not yet well understood. Um, and having to explain things is super important. And being able to explain it in a more digestible way for people that are on like on your team that are lifestyle athletes is really important. And it takes a good skill to do that. Um, so yeah, I definitely have times where like they don't fill that stuff out. And you know, you just have to go in depth and explain to them, like, this is why I'm asking for it. I'm not just like being annoying, asking you to fill out more things than you want to. Like, there's a reason that that thing is there. Um, and I've changed the check-in sheet for some people. Like I have people who have eating disordered pasts and stuff like that. And I like take out the step counter. I take out something that might be like obsessive for them. So like the check-in sheet can change, but it just depends on the athlete. Personally in my own check-ins, especially with my lifestyle athletes, they have their Excel document that has like, you know, the basic, you know, biofeedback markers that they would check, you know, the macros. Cause I want to see that they're hitting their nutrition because as much as I want to believe them, I want to also see it, especially if it's so new. So if, like for the new, new people who are like, like this is the, the first time they've ever like done a training program or tracked their food. It's like the first week we might be just be doing steps and protein and like their carbs might be like 
150 or it might be, you know, 500, like their carbs and fat will be all over the place. But it's like, Hey, like these are protein sources. Let's just say your protein this week. Let's just say your steps this week. Like those are two things that we can start to check the boxes on. And then once that is less overwhelming, then it's like, okay, well now let's focus on carbs. And then maybe let's focus on fats. And then like, here are food sources that have protein, carbs, and fats. That way you can kind of learn a little bit more and understand that, okay, a strawberry is much more of a carbohydrate versus something like eggs is going to be protein and fat. So just for them, it's just like so overwhelming that you have to do like these like little baby steps. And then once they get more confident, then they're like, their adherence becomes much better because, you know, you tell them that you believe in them, but like they need to believe in themselves. So when they show themselves that they can like start to do like the small little things and they add up, they get on a roll. Like that's when it becomes exciting, at least for coaches. Cause they are, cause like, we know they can do it, but they need to know they can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's also important to know like that this knowledge is, you know, for everyone, right? Like this knowledge is not just for competition prep clients um, or people that are super nitty gritty into health and fitness. Like this is for everyone and it benefits everyone for their long-term goals. But like, why would you think that coaching is beneficial for everyone, Liz? Like if you were to explain it, like lifestyle coaching to everyone, even to someone that has never done this before, never been into, maybe never been into a gym. Um, what's the benefit of having a coach to guide them through that? Um, I think a big part of it is the accountability. Like, yeah, you can follow a plan. Even you can get a free program anywhere on the internet, you know, and get moving, but it helps to have that person checking in with you every week, especially someone that's knowledgeable who can, you know, point out details that you might be missing or just like simple things like, you know, how to schedule better, how to manage your stress. Like, are you sleeping? Like those things people are missing out on a lot. And it's not just about, you know, how much you're doing cardio or like how much you're, how many times you're going to the gym. There's like so many things that having a coach be there to see which things you're missing can really make a big difference. And I think any, like, yeah, we're competitors, but I think like anyone can benefit from having that accountability of a coach, like every week being there to make sure you're staying on top of it. Yeah. And it's like, also what you, you just hit the nail on the head. Did I say it? Hit the nail on the head. Yeah. That's how you say it. <laughs> yeah. um, where you said it's, it's not just training and it's not just cardio and it's not just your food. Like there's also other lifestyle habits, right? So that's why it's called lifestyle coaching. Um, like sometimes a change for one of my lifestyle athletes or even competition, but you know, in general might be let's increase sleep next week. And that's the change that we need. You know, like, and it's not necessarily adding in more food or putting in more cardio because we're not seeing results. Like it's giving them this like different mind frame of like, I know that what you've been taught is that you're get, you're going to get guidance in training and nutrition, but lifestyle is lifestyle habits and creating better habits and that are sustainable for you. So if we know that you're getting eight hours of sleep and you're progressing just fine on three days a week of training then that's what we're going to do. Like, why would we have you train six days a week when you have five hours of sleep? You know, like it's framing those things in, in that way. So it's understandable. It's like, this is about being sustainable. It's not about being balls to the wall, um, which is the culture, a lot of the culture of sometimes bodybuilding and, and just, I think fitness in general, it's always more is better. Um, so yeah. that's, yeah. Um, I think, for sure. Like as someone who used to be an in-person trainer too, like when I trained people in person, like so much was missing from what I was doing with my athletes. Like I would just see them 
do a workout with them or however many they did a week with me. And then it's like, okay, see you next time. Or like some of them I did macros or, you know, plans with them, but you know, I wasn't doing any of that other stuff with them. So I think that's why online coaching, like, I think some people think like, oh, well online it's, you know, not as, you know, intimate or something like that. But I actually see that much more success with online clients. Cause I can ask them like, oh, like how much are you sleeping? How much are you doing this or that? And since I've made that change in my coaching, I've seen like a hundred percent like better results with my athletes too. So I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. I think I've had a lot of questions on like, how are you going to train me remotely? How are you going to train me online? And the idea of like, like people still call me a trainer. Um, I've, I started being a trainer, like an in-person trainer in 2013. I've exited that. Like, but again, like, it's like, well, there's so much more to think about, like, and to look at other than just training. Um, so you don't need, so when, sometimes when people find out I'm not going to be there, they're like, what? Like, they like, don't, they're like, what, how does that work? Like, you know, but they don't realize how simple it could be. Doesn't need, you don't, I mean, you don't need me there. That's why we do, you know, training videos and stuff. Cause obviously I can, I can see, I can give you feedback from that, but I think it's expanding your idea of health and, and expanding your idea of fitness. Um, that helps a lot. And again, like in-person training is great. Like I wish Mark could trade me in person all the time, um, but he can't. And I don't want him to because I would die. But um, like, there's so many pieces missing. Like if I were to just train with Mark, like if I lived in Ohio and I just trained with Mark a couple of times a week, but didn't, didn't do anything else, it's probably not going to help me, you know? So just keeping that in mind too. Yeah. But um, as far as the differences in lifestyle coaching versus competition prep, I mean, obviously you're a bikini competitor. Um, you have your own, you have your own experience as a competitor, but then also as a lifestyle athlete as well, on top of your clients that you, that you work with. So when you think about the differences between the two, what would you say is, is the biggest difference there um, when it comes to competition versus lifestyle coaching? Yeah, I would say like the biggest thing is just incorporating more balance, like competitors, you need to be a hundred percent. Like there's, there's no like days off. There's no, like, you know, kind of slowly getting into the plan or anything. Like you need to be a hundred percent with lifestyle. It's, you know, meeting people where they're at, um, and not expecting them to be like absolutely perfect. So you just expecting them to have slip-ups. Like I'm not mad at someone if they like check in and they're like, you know, I missed my macros one day or, you know, I missed a workout or something. Um, so it's just less intense, uh, I would say. And then, you know, the expectations are just a little bit different. And then as far as like in a dieting phase, I'm not going to push them as hard as I would push someone to get to like stage lean, you know? And I think that's important to explain to someone, especially if they follow me and they're like, well, look how like lean you got when you were prepping for a show. And I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't like aim to be like me. Um, and I think that's the hardest part of being a competitor and then coaching someone who has a different goal than me is like explaining that, like, I don't want you to try to be like me exactly. So, um, and I think on social media, that part's hard too. just saying like, well, this is what I do, but you don't necessarily have to do the exact same thing. I think that's like the tough part. Especially that comparison piece. Like when your clients see you like, or have seen pictures of you shredded, 
And they're like, oh, if that's not necessarily healthy, then why do you do that? Like, why don't we, why can't we do that? You know, but they also don't know what it takes to get there. Like, they don't know what, like, like how it feels. Um, And so if they're, if they, for my lifestyle athletes that are like, oh, I kind of want to do a competition, like, you know, in the next few years, I'm thinking about it. And the first thing I do is I'm like, okay, that's good. Like, I'm excited you're thinking that way. Let's focus on having our habits down. Like, let's focus on having the habits of a competitor. Um, Because what you're doing now, I know you really like it. Like, I know you really like what's going on. If you want it to be more intense, then that's where you move into more competition style. If I have an athlete that is like always 100% in their lifestyle, and they have a great physique, I might bring it up to them and say, hey, you know, you have a great physique, you already live this lifestyle. Would you like to try and do something like that? What, what, where, where, and some of them are like, no, actually, like, I'm, I don't want to be on stage. Oh, okay. All right. You continue to live in the bodybuilding lifestyle. You don't want to get on stage. That's okay. Um, so there's always like, there, just because you live the lifestyle doesn't mean you get on stage. And just because you don't like, and you, and you haven't created those habits doesn't mean it's something that you can't create for yourself in the future. It just takes time. Um, so I, I like lifestyle athletes in a way because they have this, they, sometimes you could see their potential. So yeah. that's really, at least for the stage. Yeah. So. I've definitely, I've had a few athletes, especially like now that I'm coaching for MT2, which is like connected to Dominic trained, you know, that they eventually want to compete. And I kind of did the same thing. I'm like, well, let's just like nail it for a year. Like, you know, actually act like a competitor and focus on growing because like almost any competitor will tell you like, you know, their first show they did, they should have just grown longer. So I'm like, let's be patient and, you know, get blood work and check and all that stuff too. Um, but I think if someone ends up loving the process, that's like a very common pathway for Mm -hmm. them to eventually want to compete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So what do you think the most common aspect of coaching lifestyle athletes that you think holds them back? Um, I think, and like, this is a good theme since it's like the new year, but like everyone comes to you, like looking for quick fixes, like, you know, all the people that want to lose a massive amount of weight and they're like, yeah, I want to lose 40 pounds in two months. And I'm like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, let's like settle down a little bit, but they're just used to that. Like, that's how fitness is marketed. Like lose mm-hmm. this amount of pounds in eight weeks, four weeks, whatever it is. Um, and I think in general, that's why people have a hard time keeping the weight off is they're only looking for those quick fixes when in reality, you need to find something that you can do for the rest of your life. You know, it's not, you know, a short diet. It's not something to get ready for your vacation. It's like, if you want to be healthy and have a healthy weight forever, you need to do something that's long-term, you know? Um, and then they just don't have a understanding of nutrition. Like Ashley, you said, in the beginning, some people are just like, I don't know what carbs are, what protein is, what fat is. So, you know, it's kind of amazing that we don't know that like just growing up, that's something we don't really learn about. We kind of do in like basic nutrition classes, but it's not in depth enough for people to really get a handle on it. Um, and then people also like, aren't very organized <laughs> with their schedule or planning. I think a big thing in the beginning is when people get overwhelmed with like this nutrition plan, it's they don't know how to meal prep. They don't know how to schedule like time for the gym, how to just like fit that stuff into their lifestyle. So it's just getting them more organized with that stuff, doing to-do lists and things like that. And then we already touched a little bit on sleep and stress management, but 
like I said, when I switched to doing online coaching and really looking at more of these things, like, you know, sometimes someone's like, I'm ready to cut more carbs or like, I can do more cardio. And I'm like, how about you sleep more? You know, let's do that first. Or like, how about we take that stress level from an eight to five, maybe under five. And then we can talk about, you know, adding more things in, but you don't need to do that. You kind of need to focus on those basic things first. And I think a lot of people are just like totally missing that when they think about weight loss. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And like, as a bikini competitor, like, how do you continue to relate to them in that way? Like all of these things that you just listed, um, how do you continue to relate to, you know, a more, you, you have a more intense mindset, right? So outside, like outside of your own personal coaching, like, do you ever find that there's a disconnect or do you feel a disconnect or are you, are you always like thinking the way the client thinks, or you're able to think the way the client thinks? or able to empathize that way. Um, yeah. I think I'm like a very patient person. So that helps a lot, but there are definitely times where I'm like, I have to tell myself, like, I don't think the same way this person does. Like, I don't have a problem following a plan to a T. I don't care if I eat the same thing every day. I don't, you know, care about like, you know, we don't get emotional about things that much. Um, so I just have to say like, what does this person feel like? What are they experiencing? Um, maybe this is the first time they've ever done something like this and just kind of taking a step back and looking at it, at it from their perspective, not a competitor's perspective. Um, cause it's a big change for them. Um, and then I have to, you know, like I mentioned, looking at my Instagram posts and stuff like right now I'm at a normal weight. Um, but if I was in prep and I'm looking like crazy lean, that's when I notice a lot of people like, you know, you get that fire of everyone asking you questions or, you know, commenting on your Instagram posts about like how good you look and stuff like that. And they want to look like you. And it's just kind of explaining, like you said before, like that's not really healthy. And I'm only in this position for X amount of weeks or months before I get back to the weight that I'm at now. So I always tell them like, yeah, I'm going to lose 20 pounds for this prep, but I'm also going to gain it back. So, you know, don't expect it. And like, even when they're losing a lot of weight, I'm like, the scale might have to go back up at some point. So explaining that to them. Um, and then just that effort given, like I said before, just reminding myself that like, they might not be as in love with the process as I am. And I think that's kind of the hardest thing for me to understand is because I love the gym and, you know, I love eating healthy and doing all that stuff. And some people just never fall in love with that process. Um, and I try to make it as enjoyable for them as I can, but some people just like, don't love working out. And that's the hardest part. I think a, a lot of my athletes end up loving it, but some just aren't super into it. So just realizing like you have to find a way to make them, you know, enjoy it a little bit more. And sometimes it's going to look different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like some people love for uh, you like backpacking, right? Yeah. Like you like backpacking. I'm not an outdoors person, so I'm not like energized by going backpacking. Um, I would do it maybe once or twice in my life, but I'm not like, I want to do that all the time. Like that's, and so that in a way it's kind of like, you know, depending on what the person, what the person truly wants, like I could see myself doing that one or two times, but I couldn't see myself like that, making that a lifestyle change for me where myself and my partner decide to go on a backpacking trip once a year, two times a year or whatever. Like I don't live that lifestyle to me. Like I've had someone tell me like, I don't know why you like 
what you do, to be honest, like, it's great that you do. It's awesome that you do. But to me, it's more work. Like to me, it's just more work on my plate that I don't really care to have. Um, and that's how I would feel about going backpacking. I'd be like, no, there's more work on my plate as more planning and more all that crap. But there are other people that really love it. And they're like, I love that lifestyle. I like to do that with my partner. It's a, it's an activity we like together. Um, so like, I liked what you said about there's a disconnect between effort given and what, what your effort looks like versus what their effort looks like. And it's okay that it's not yours. So like, you know, I have my own way that I do bodybuilding. Ashley has her own way that she does bodybuilding and our efforts are different in different ways. Right. Like, and so like, same thing with lifestyle athletes. I think that for me personally, it's hard for me to, <laughs> for me to be like, yeah, I get where you're coming from there. I get why you didn't get that meal. in. I, it was probably really stressful for you or me. Like I would have had my meal anyway. Like I would, I remember like I accidentally, um, like a few months ago, I accidentally put a knife through like my, my hand, like I was cutting an avocado that I was trying to eat and where most people would have stopped and been like, I'm going to the hospital right now. I still ate my meal. I was sitting there with like my hands, it was bleeding. I know it sounds really bad. I was sitting there bleeding. And I was like, yeah, my sister was like, we need to go to the hospital right now. And I was like, bitch, I need to eat. Like, I need to eat right now. Like, and she was like, looking at me, like, are you crazy? I was like, this, like, let me eat. And then we can go to the hospital. Like, that's how serious it is for me. But most people would take that stressful event and be like, I need to go to the hospital right now. Like the first thing they're thinking about is not getting their meal in and it's not training. Cause I was still like, I'm still training today. I don't know about you, like, but I'm going to figure it out. Like, and so and I had to get my meal in so I could have enough time to go get my pre-workout and then and train. And so it's insane. It's like, um, it's hard to relate to people that don't think like that. And you, and, and yeah, so there's that. I think there's like, you know, teaching people through their check-ins, like how could you have handled that better? I'm not going to use your example because that's like <laughs> a little extreme, but like, you know, <laughs> if they say like, Hey, I went to my cousin's house and you know, at thought I was just stopping by and I didn't bring food. And then I ended up being there for five hours and I missed my meal. And then I just ate something else and you know, this whole thing. And then that's when I go into like, how could you have done that differently? Like, yeah, you didn't expect to be there that long, but maybe if you're going somewhere, you should always just like keep another meal with you in case that stuff happens. So like, I think just teaching them like one thing at a time when they do have those slip-ups, like how they could have done it better So then next time it happens, they're more prepared. I think that's a big thing for them. Um, And don't get me wrong. There's definitely athletes who just like, don't care as much as we do as a coach. Um, And those people, you know, aren't always as successful. You know, it's like the same conversations Mm -hmm. week after week. And I'm like, you know, I care about this a lot and I'll like change their programming as they need to. But there's just some people that just like, it's not there. They're not motivated. Like they're their why might be wrong, you know, and I don't want to say like, there's a wrong why, but there's superficial reasons that people sign up for coaching. Like, you know, I want to look good for this event or, you know, just something that's not really deep. And then when those temptations and stuff come up, or, you know, they feel like going off plan, the reason that they signed up, isn't like strong enough for them to be like, okay, yeah, I got to stick to this. It's like, yeah, well, I guess I won't look good for that vacation then, you know, but, um, I think, it's really about digging deep and finding like 
what your actual reason for wanting to do this journey is too. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Right now we're talking like kind of very specific, like a very niche thing, either like lifestyle coaching or competitive coaching, but let's kind of think broad stroke here. So with the health in mind of today's climate of people in America, what do you think are some things that people could focus on to prevent obesity? Like what are some like better lifestyle approaches and habits they could adopt, even if maybe they can't afford a coach? Yeah. So one thing I wanted to touch upon is just like, there's a lot of misunderstanding. Like people think like, why are there so many obese people? Like they just need to work out more or they just need to eat less. And, you know, there's a lot of things involved. Um, and this is what I really learned about a lot in my obesity management um, degree is, you know, policy change and things like that. Um, something I didn't even think about a lot was like safe places to walk, like walkable areas. I do have some athletes that like, you know, I'll talk to them. Like, why don't you just go on a walk on your lunch break or like go for a walk when you get home. And then they'll be like, yeah, I don't really live somewhere where I like feel comfortable going for a walk by myself. So like, you know, infrastructure, having parks that people can walk in, having safe neighborhoods, having like access to those type of things is a big deal for people. Um, the availability of healthy foods, like if you're, you know, not financially well off, like is that type of food accessible? You know, I think we're all very um, fortunate that we have access to those foods all the time, but not everyone does. So I think that's something that we have to think about too. And just educating people that, yeah, like maybe you don't need to buy organic produce and stuff, but you can, you know, buy frozen veggies, canned veggies, and at least start somewhere. Um, but some people just don't have that education. Um, even things like school lunches, you know, they're not always the healthiest things. So if people could, you know, that's all policy change thing. Like that's not something like you or I can change, but you know, our country needs to change those things. Um, soda, snack machines and schools. Those are all things that like, you know, Coca-Cola and things like that. They place those products in the schools and at a young age, they start learning those things. Um, and then just education of parents and children. I think that's like a huge thing. You know, we as coaches get involved when people are adults and already like, don't know the things that they should have learned as children. So things parents can teach their kids early on is the basics, like eating fruits and vegetables every day, um, drinking water. I don't know about you guys, but I've had a lot of athletes who will just be like, well, I don't like water. And I'm like, what do you mean? So some people just grow up on like, you know, just drinking juice and soda and stuff. And I think at a young age, if you can like give your kids water and teach them like, this is a good thing. You should drink some of this by itself. <laughs> That's a good start. Um, learning that like walking is a good habit. I think walking is seen as like an old person type of thing, but um, walking is a great habit. So maybe just like taking your kids on walks with you and then daily movement in general, like doesn't have to be in a gym, but teaching your kids that like daily movement is important. And as an adult too, just doing something every day that gets you moving is really important. Um, and I think if kids could learn how to cook at a younger age, that would make a huge difference. I still get people coming to me. They're like, well, I really don't know like how to cook, how to meal prep, things like that. So, you know, yeah, some parents don't know how to do that right now either. So obviously they're not teaching their kids those things, but if that's something that we could start teaching people and parents could start teaching their kids at an early age that would help with the prevention aspect. I think a lot of this too is um, 
the the ease of convenience for a lot of things is just not there so like we're talking about the safe walkable areas like Mm -hmm. it's not convenient for them to go drive to a gym to get their steps in because it's like you know I have to go get in my car and go drive 10 minutes to the gym and then I get my steps in on top of that it's on a treadmill and it's not that fun you know it's not that entertaining availability of healthy foods like you know even learning how to cook and stuff these are things that are that are kind of put off by society as something that is like not convenient. So you should just go buy fast food instead. And so that's what ends up happening is people don't know how to cook or cook well, um, cook in a healthy way because of convenience. Like they have other things that are much more convenient for them and they get it quickly. They don't have to put in the effort to do it. Um, And so also it's like, kind of having to like change the mindset of, of that. It's like changing the mindset from convenience to um, health and, and what's possible for you by just t- taking out some time to, to cook. Or, um, you know, if you, if you don't have a, like I was living in San Francisco when I first started working with Mark and he wanted me to track steps. And where I was living in Oakland was not a place where you should be walking like at all. It was like, like the first night I stayed there, my car got broken into twice that week, that same week. And so it was hard for me to, to realize like for, as a bikini competitor who had a coach who was just doing um, cardio as my expenditure, it was hard for me to look at outside as something that was like, oh, that's, that makes sense. I should probably do that. Um, and so it's, it's just changing that mindset in, from convenience to like health and possibilities there. Yeah. Like walking, like you said, even though it's hard in some places based on where you live, like that's such a great habit. Like if, if people could just walk more then that would be awesome. Um, I actually did my thesis in grad school on like doing 10,000 steps a day and eating almonds every day. (laughs) Um, there wasn't any like crazy results, but I think just like walking can, you know, it can improve your insulin sensitivity. It helps with digestion. It helps with mental clarity, all those things. So I think that's just like a great starting point. If someone's like, I just need to like do something to get started. That's a great option. Now, if you don't live in a walkable area, maybe there's like a park you can drive to, or like you said, like suck it up and go on a treadmill or get yourself a treadmill. I have one of those little steppers that you can stand on Yeah, and like, I'll do that if I need to. (laughs) I just told a client today, um, like she was saying that it's, it's, it's been hard in California lately, even though it's not really cold to us, it's cold. Like, (laughs) so it's been like 40, 50 degrees here. And we're all like, oh my God, like I I have my hood on here and everything. Um, And I was just telling her, because over the past few weeks, her step count hasn't, her step count average for the week hasn't been what it normally is. And I, we were talking about how the weather has been pretty different. And I told, and she was like, I need to figure out how to, you know, get my steps in and, and, and get that together. And I said, remember that like walking is, is more than just expenditure. We're not really trying to do that for expenditure right now. We, we're looking at blood glucose levels. We're looking at insulin sensitivity. We're, we're looking at um, digestive health. Like this is what walking is good for. Remember that. So like when you start feeling a little weird in your stomach, and we're not getting the steps we need it like think of that like think of that discomfort that you feel like and remember that it could be that we're not moving as much I'm not saying that it is but 
you know, just think, think of it that way. Think of it as a health maneuver, not necessarily something that's like, oh, I'm seeing my weight spike and it's because I haven't gotten my steps. Well, it could be a multitude of things, um, but mostly for health and all of those awesome stuff, all, all of those awesome things, it's like, that's what we need it for. Um, so it's, it's also hard to, to get that into people's heads too, because most of the time, like I had a client ask me, um, what is the time, the, the cardio commitment that you will give me if I were to sign up? And I'm like, to be honest with you, I'll probably just have you on steps right now. And they're probably not going to give you a ton of cardio. And she was like, mind blown. Like, she was like, what? Like, <laughs> so it's that important. Like it's that it's, it's, it gives you that much of an effect. Yeah. And that, that brings a good point. I think a lot of people think, you know, they're in that cardio bunny mindset of like, this is how I need to lose weight is like, I need to do a ton of cardio and be at the gym all the time. And that's like, not necessarily it. Like, yes, you need to move. And there's kind of like two sides of it. There's the people who are like doing way too much. And of course, then there's the people that are doing absolutely nothing. Um, there needs to be like an in-between, but um, you know, just as society, we don't really make that well known of like what the right thing to do is. I don't think so. People are trying, you know, it's not like for lack of effort sometimes, but it's just trying the wrong things. Or like I said, those quick fixes. And I think even like, if you look at studies on weight loss, it's unfortunate because when you look at all the data, it says like bariatric surgery is one of the best solutions to obesity, but that's really because the studies, like it's really hard to get people to participate in weight loss studies where you have to stick to a diet for more than, you know, a couple months max. Like if you look at the studies, there's no long-term really studies on specific diets or anything like that. Cause either people will drop out of them or no one will even sign up for something that's so long-term. So we kind of have to look at more of like our athletes, our case studies or things like that, because, um, you know, the scientific data is just, it's just hard to get, um, so it's not necessarily that there's not a solution to weight loss through nutrition and exercise. It's just hard to get that into a lab per se. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So just, I have a question based on my own experience. And I can tell you right now, like talking about with obesity prevention, like Liz, I don't know if you know, but like I was morbidly obese at one time as a child. So, you know, I, I think my max weight was like over 250 pounds when I was 16 and the thing you're talking about, like eating fruits and veggies, drinking water. Well, you know, yes, I believe that should come from the parents, but what if the parents don't know any better? Right. Cause like we had vegetables, but like our vegetables was like a head of broccoli with fucking cheese whiz on it. Like, like, obviously like we were like, Oh, broccoli, but like, yeah, cheese whiz, you know? So like, how do you think parents can become educated? Like, obviously, yeah, we might be coaching some parents, which is great, but like, yeah. what about those people that maybe again, can't afford coaches like where do you think or how do you think those parents can become educated yeah I think that's where you know we're lacking um not just in like the coaching industry but just like as I mentioned before like as a country like in our policies and things like that like some people just don't know and then they're passing it along to their children so I can't say that there's like a solution right now um I would say in my career goals that's something I definitely want to like be able to address um, that's really why I joined MT2 as a coach, you know, is to be able to reach more people. Like, yeah, it's great working for yourself as a coach, but like you're only reaching like this small group of people. And I want to eventually find a way to 
educate the masses more. And yet those low socioeconomic status type of people like can't afford coaching. So I'd like to be able to provide like free resources that people can go to for that type of thing. But it's just really hard. Um, I think some of those parents that don't know, like don't even know that they don't know if that makes sense. Like they just have no idea that they're so like off about things. Um, and you know, they're doing their best. They come home from working all day and they give their kids, you know, fast food or order pizza or frozen dinners, things like that. And it's just kind of like a vicious cycle of like their kids learn that. And, you know, right now there's not a big solution. Yeah. I was talking to someone yesterday about, um, like what I ever stop, uh, like, you know, tracking my food and, and being in this lifestyle. And I was like, I don't think I, I don't think I would, um, because I know so much now and I know the right way to do things, um, in a sustainable way that it, it's like no effort for me at this point. Like if I were to like, not like, let's say no longer being competitive bodybuilding, I would still like, it's no, it would be no effort for me to day to day, like do, do this. Um, and it's, it's like almost, I told them, I said, I feel like I have like a superpower because there's so many like directions that people are pulled in like day to day, as far as like nutrition, like somebody might decide like, oh, I want to lose weight or I want to like, you know, I want to be healthier or whatever. And they're fixated with so many questions that like, you know, you don't ask anymore, but they're like, oh, what is like, is it good to have this kind of oil or that kind of oil? What does it matter? Isn't it both oil or aren't they both oils? Um, and so like, I feel like I have like this superpower where I'm like, if I wanted to change something about myself, I would know how to do it easily. Like, I'd be like, oh, that's the direct, like more so I know the direction that I would want to go. So like, if I was like, oh, I'd like to gain some muscle, I know what direction I want to go, what food sources I should, I, I should pick what, what cardio protocol I should have. If I had any, like, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what to do if I want to get leaner. If I want to lose a little bit of weight, I know exactly what to do in any case, really. Um, and if I didn't, I know the people that will point me towards that right direction. So I don't think I'd ever stop because I have this, like, you know, I know you two probably feel the same way. You have this knowledge of like, I know these things and I love helping people with them. And there's also that component as well as like, I also love helping people. So I want to continue to do this so that I can continue to help others. Um, because I do have the resources and I do have the knowledge to go in whatever direction that I, that I choose to, and that I want to. Um, and I want that for everyone. Like, wouldn't it just be a better world if everyone understood that, like, or, or at least had the, like, the, also wanted to work for it too. Cause there's that other component as well as like, you kind of have to put in the effort to get what you want. So, yeah, um, I think anyone could benefit from like doing, you know, putting their food in my fitness pal for a week and just like seeing what their intake is. Cause I think it shocks a lot of people. And I think like this topic is definitely not what the podcast is about, but like intuitive eating. Like, I always think that's like such an iffy thing. Like people are like, well, eventually like you just know how much you're supposed to eat, but you know, we're not like in the caveman era where like, it's just nuts and berries and meat. And like you're full when you're full, it's like, we have all these processed foods that like our hunger hormones and our stomachs like don't understand when you're full or they're super palatable. And, you know, if you eat like, you know, packaged casserole or something, or if you eat like desserts and stuff, you, 
digest them differently and your body doesn't necessarily know when you're full. And I think it's just very hard to like intuitively know when to stop eating those things or how much is enough. And I don't know, I, I find macro tracking very easy. I know it's not for everyone. Um, like sometimes it's too obsessive for people or like, it just doesn't like some people just don't mesh with it. But I think for me, like, I don't see a problem with doing it long-term, you know, some people think that's a little bit disordered, but I think like I can always fit whatever foods I want into my plan by using macros. So I think it's a great tool. Well, especially if you have the the prior knowledge to do it, you know, like you've been doing this for a while. I mean, there are some days where like, if I decide I want to go out on a date night or something, um, I've had my meals or I have an approximate of like what I'm, what I've had. And then when I go out, I know what choices to make. And so it's like, I, I don't really track that. Like, how am I going to do that? Right. Like, but I have an, I, I can look at a plate and I said this yesterday too. I was like, I can look at a plate and know what's on it. And I'm like, I know exactly what's there right. and I know exactly how it fits and it fits my macros and therefore like, it's fine. Yeah, um, sure. you know, so, and it's like most people like they don't, they don't have that concept yet. Like where, like you're talking about intuitive eating, it's like, okay, like what if you're hungry and you want to slice a cake, like, and you're like not full by the time you're done with that piece of cake. And you're like, I want another piece of cake. And, um, at that point, it's like you, you would have had to like me, I'm not going to choose that if I were intuitively eating, because right. I already know, like, that's probably not the best thing, but <laughs> for people that want to do that, like they would have to have an extensive amount of knowledge prior and understand like simple guidelines, like what should you have in each meal? Right. Like, so that's a lot to think about as well. So in a sense, you're still tracking, you're still yeah. doing that, you know? And I still so, have athletes do that type of thing where I'm like, okay, like we can take a break from tracking but I still want you to like eat what we were eating just like you don't have to put it into an app um and I think that's just like a long process of like you know learning what those foods are like you said and what we talked about in the beginning is teaching them what all the macronutrients are and like how much of it they should be eating and then like slowly they can get to a place where they don't have to track everything but I think it if that's the case they do like you said they have to eat foods that are nutrient dense. Like you can't just go and change it to cake and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Liz, for coming onto the pod. We were happy to have you. And this topic was great. I think that the listeners are really going to enjoy it. Um, and yeah, Ash, do if they don't, we did. So that's yeah, what no, I, like, I, like, like, I love having guests. Um, it gives a new dynamic to like the podcast and we haven't had one in a while. So we were like, yeah, Let's ask Liz. Let's start off the new year right and have Liz on. Thank you. Yeah, I actually get Happy to see, New Year. I get to see Liz in person next week, y'all. That's pretty yeah. cool. I'm going I'm to excited. Cleveland. Um, so I'm pretty excited. I haven't traveled in a minute. I haven't traveled in like on a plane since I think like August of 2020, which was the last time I went to go see Mark. Oh. Um, I haven't, I haven't met Mark yet either in person. You've never so. met him? He's no. small. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to listen to this. If he listens to it, oh well. Like, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Um, and Ash, do you want to do the piece? Peace. <laughs> peace. Hi. <laughs>